Hello, welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. Today, I speak with Laura Rothy, who is a friend as well as a managing director at Deloitte. I've been anxious to have her on the show as someone who's very successful and one of the hardest working people I know. I was surprised to hear about what happened when she first went to college. She also had significant events in her life that could have sidelined almost anyone but not Laura. Listen in to learn about these struggles as well as what the key ingredients are for her success. And of course, we hear about her favorite soft skills as well as what advice she would give to her younger self. Enjoy this episode. I uh, really and earnestly want to just thank you because I've been chasing you for a long time. I think pretty much since I conceived of this, you're somebody that I wanted to talk to and you kept saying yes, but it was hard to pin you down. And then I don't know what finally broke you, <laughs> just my relentless pursuit or if you uh, I felt- I decided so- that I do like you and that I do want to engage with you in any forum. So any- I'm glad to be uh, to do this. Yes, so. no, I really, I, I really mean that. Um, Laura and I go back a really long time. You know, I feel like we've jo- we, we've joked about this discussion and whether or not we can actually get through it without breaking into fits of laughter or kind of going off script in terms of being hey, able you know to- what? authenticity and having some fun is okay yeah. in life. It's okay. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So really, the first thing I want to ask, you know, before we get into this is who is who has been your favorite employee to work with ever? Because I really think there's only one answer. And she's sitting nearby. She's really close by. Your favorite. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. Just I don't even I think don't, I, don't, I don't think you know them. But I don't think you know the top 25, but let me think about that. That's fair. That's fair. I will tell you, T, you are way up there as truly, truly an amazing, completely exhausting, um, but in all sincerity, truly one of the best collaborators I've ever worked with. And I hate to admit this publicly, but I learned a lot from you. And that is tough to get out. Um, Are you okay? Totally totally sincere. Do you need a tissue? I have great respect for you. And that's you. one of the reasons I'm here among the other. And that, and I just adore you. Thank you so much. And the feeling's mutual. And actually, I think that's kind of the first, I was talking about you yesterday to my team. Uh, I was talking about um, interviewing you. And I think one of the things that I am so impressed with by you, and I, I don't, you know, it's going to be an interesting thing to see if you even know it could answer it. Cause I feel like it's, it's kind of who you are, but I think you have you do an exceptional job at being really fun. You have a great sense of humor and you have really high expectations. And so that balance between driving results and driving really strong outputs and outcomes and and like there's levity and knowing when to like push and pull those levers or how do you, how do you make sure that there's enough like that it's grounded, I I guess, in that, in the, what needs to be done. Cause at the end of the day, you know, it is a business, 
But I, I'm wondering for you if that's something evolved over time, you know, and we, I do want to talk about the way you lead, but this is one component that I think is really, a, you have a gift with it. And I feel like people could benefit from like loosening up a little bit <laughs> and like you can have both, like you can, you can be really fun. You can have a great sense of humor and, and you can have great output. So just tell me your reaction to that or what your thoughts are about that. You know, I, you know, I thank you, by the way, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. I, I would say a couple things. It, it, it starts with the genuine inside out feel like this comes from my heart and my mind. I do the best I can every day to achieve whatever it is I need to in life. And I, you know, I've had years of therapy, so I'd love to take credit for unearthing all of this, but you know, I had been in therapy for a while to understand sort of a little bit of my inner workings. Cause I think it's helpful. Uh, two of my closest friends are therapists. So oh, that's there's always that in my life, but, um, but I've had formal therapy to say a couple things. I think it starts with childhood, the role you play in your family unit and recognizing the gifts that life gives you in mm -hmm. circumstances mm -hmm. and realizing some of that's rooted in that, not to get too deep, but yeah. um, you know, my childhood, my parents were divorced. I'm the young, I'm the oldest of four and the responsibility that I took on early on trying to bring, I'll say conflict resolution to situations and be productive. I think was something I gained in my role in the family unit. And I genuinely want to love each day. Like I really want to enjoy each day. And I have found I've never taken good moments for granted. So I try to create them. Right. And I try to have fun every day and enjoy it. I think fun's underrated. That's I think a lot of people, too. I look at them and say, that looks boring to me. Like I really truly have fun in almost everything I do. And I think there's a very serious side to me. I think life can be hard, but you know, I think it starts there. And the other thing is I found sports as a young age and I've been a team member as long as I can remember with boys as a young age, playing sports out in the field, unstructured yeah. and being part of teams all the way to starting my professional life. And I will tell you, I have always had fun in a team dynamic, um, whether my role was yeah. player, whether my role was captain, whether my role was band leader, whatever I've done, I've done different things. Yeah, I can tell you it is genuine inside out. Like I truly, and by the way, the fun that I have is what I express. I can't even count for what's in my thought bubbles every day that I shove down because I think it's not the right time, Laura. <laughs> right. But, yeah. but truly like I'm, I, it's not, it's sincere. So I realize what is better for the greater good than me. Everything's bigger than me. And I think all of those experiences that I have built on and, and had some really hard, some fantastic, some tough losses, some wins all the, along the way, I feel like life gave me a toolkit that I'm just blessed to have. And, and it's true. And honestly, I, I'm an optimistic person. Um, and I choose to be that almost to the point where I get criticized from it. I think yeah. one of my sisters says to me, oh, for goodness sakes, Laura, get over it. Not everything's <laughs> utopia. And I'll be like, you know, and I'll think she's, yeah. she's right. There's things where I've been a little bit too optimistic in family situations and stuff. But long-winded answer to say, it's just genuinely who I am and how I approach a situation. And I think I'm just, I'm blessed. I'm blessed to have the experiences I've had. Had when I was having them, I don't know that I would have called it that. Right, for sure. And I love that piece about that, being genuine and being authentic. I, I feel now at my advanced age that I can confidently say the closer I am to that version of me, 
the more enjoyable my life is, the more successful I am, the more, you know, all the, all these things. And it takes a while to get there, you know, because to your point of like the hardships or the things that you go through, or look, we're all insecure when we're, when we're less experienced and we don't have the benefit of the rearview mirror. So I think that message of like, be yourself and then understand, you said that filter, I think is Mm -hmm. also really important. And frankly, you know, I think you know this, and I'm sure we talked about it, like earlier in my career, you know, I got feedback, like I was in a very serious role. And it was like, you know, because I do love to have a good time. And I do love to laugh a lot. And I do have a very, I can be both too. But I think I didn't really think of myself in that role and in a way that you need to be, you know, there, there is depending on where you are, right, the organization you're in, this isn't true of everywhere. But and so recognizing that and so, you know, that filter or or how do you apply that in a way that it best serves you to be successful? Yeah. And when you stay, and, and this goes back to the sports stuff too, when you stay focused on the common goals or what does that situation, what are you trying to accomplish in that situation, whether I'm hosting a dinner party of friends at my house or trying to solve a complex business issue and everything in between, yeah. I am intentional about the situation that I'm trying to host with other people. So my interactions are intentional always because I feel a sense of responsibility to make that situation both productive and a good experience for those I'm engaged with. And as a result, that's when you pull the toolkits out, right? You pull, you pull the different things, but it's not because I'm trying to, but again, if it comes from that genuine authenticity, it's actually a great ride for me. Yeah. That's the thing. As long as I love what I'm doing and doing and who I'm doing with, that's a good experience. And then let me ask you this as a follow-on because this is something else I think you do really well. And honestly, I feel like it is somewhat of a mystery. Like I I don't I haven't been able to I you know, I love human behavior. I love to observe people. I love to connect dots. I love to be able to say if you do these five things, <laughs> you're going to get this. You know, I'm very much of like, if I put this, this, this into it, or I change this, or I, you know, then I want there to be like an appropriate or a result that like matches what I think is going to happen. And in this particular area, what I'm going to ask you about, I feel like I cannot necessarily pull the thread through, which is you have a very good sense of managing up. And by that, I mean, the way I interpret it, is that you become invaluable to the people that um, are leading you. And whatever, this is what I've seen in observing you, both as a leader to me, but what, you know, I, we know a lot of the same people and watching you, you know, evolve and mature in your career too. What I, what it looks like from the outside is you're very good at, you know, I've, I think I've seen you in three or four different roles. So, so recognizing that like you're savvy at figuring out what those leaders need and becoming invaluable to those people by all the things that you do, right? And we can talk a little bit about that, maybe what's a day in the life, but I think the how of that, you know, how do you know to what levers to pull there? How do you, how are you strategic about that? Like some call it being political. And I I don't know that it's being political necessarily or, but but there is a savviness to understanding. And I think becoming that invaluable player because then I think that generates momentum. It generates opportunities for your voice to matter. <laughs> you know, it, it gives you authority, right? That Those are the things that I think are a byproduct of it. Well, first of all, you kind of say all that. I, I would say a couple of things. Here's the true way I approach all of it and have for years. And I could 
pulled people I worked with, you know, 30 years ago and they say, yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah. I serve everybody above, beside and, and below me in the organizational construct the same. It doesn't matter to me. In many ways, I think I'm actually tougher with the people above me managing up. I think the formula that I find that works for me in life, inside and outside of work, to be very candid, and, and, and I don't want to beat this word down as authenticity. I am very direct. And true. I, because I just cut through it, because I actually don't even know another way. You know, it's, I'm always the same. But I think what it is, is I always pull the lever of putting myself in their shoes. What do I need to help them be successful? What do I need to tell them that they don't know? I'm not there to prove that I know a lot of things. Because guess what? I know less things than I do now, right? Like, I mean, I, I am never the smartest one in the room. If I am, I'm in the wrong room. Like, that's a bad, scary room. And I would say to you that I surround myself with smarter people all the way around. But I would tell you, regardless of where somebody is related to me in an organizational construct, I serve them the same way. I think about what do they need to know to help them be more success, successful or what do they need to know to help our common goals be achieved faster and more effectively and efficiently. So I look at all of that the same way. So all my interactions are the same way. Whether you be the, the highest level person I've talked to in that six month period or somebody who's joined the team, I would say by and large, my approach is the same. And if I put myself into their shoes, and I, I can't say this enough, I focus so much on the common goals because as a team player, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. That's what it's always been. Yeah. So with that, those two things in mind, mm-hmm. I've got to make that my value prop to what we're trying to do. So, you know, I really would tell you, I remember one time a leader said to me, early on, I was in my early 20s and we went to a client meeting, a client asked a question. I mean, I must have been 24 years old. And a very senior person somewhere asked me something outside the firm. And I remember I answered it directly and he wanted to follow up with me. And I remember thinking, does he know I'm 24? And I don't know, you know, when I'm doing it. And um, and I remember my leader said to me, you really don't care who you talk to, do you? And I think I got to credit the values my mom instilled in me. My mom, you know, is I've never knew any way else. Like, you know, yeah. we would have... I look at the experiences my parents didn't go to college. I look at who my mom interacted with and who came through our house. And my mom, I, I didn't know that that person was the CEO of the largest right. bank in Pittsburgh or that person, or I'm just CFO, sure. but whatever, all these things. I didn't know this stuff because it was, it didn't matter. And I got to give her a lot of credit. So I started the firm, my whole job, I started in, I started working professionally in 87, the stock market crashed. And my whole goal was not to get fired. That was my whole goal. Because stock market crashed two months after I started. And I think this need to serve and please and contribute mm-hmm. has been an underlying thing I've pulled through. Yeah. So when I'm in those and going back to the intentional interactions, I'm just looking at how can I add value and how can I help that person with what they need to accomplish, whether they are new at the game or they are a leader that I am reporting into. The truth is it's, it's really not a complicated formula. <laughs> And as long as you stay on the right side of right and you're intentional about purpose and value and you get, you can zoom out and see what needs to be done and zoom in and make, take advantage of that moment. I'd love to say it's like really hard. I think when you put self up on the shelf and you sacrifice self for the common good, it's actually, I can say this now because I've got 35 years of experience. I, 
I say it like I've always had it figured out. I've learned by failures. Right. I've learned from successes. But that's kind of the winning formula for me personally. That's that's really helpful. And I'm I'm sure it's through our conversations. It's certainly the culture at Deloitte, I think the the add value piece um i have other you know i have a team at a place where i do a lot of consulting and she talks about how i am like you know almost like to a nauseating degree about value and ultimately what what is the value that we're bringing what is the value that we're adding what is the value they need like in asking questions i've i've become so much better at asking questions to understand to your point around like being in someone's shoes i used to be so excited about solving the problem that I wouldn't, I didn't ask enough questions because you can assume a lot of things. So now I'm always, I have all these things I want to say and I have all these opinions and I feel like I can, you know, add value. But even that, it's like, make sure you're adding the value that's needed at the time. So ask the question to get there. And so that, that's that been helpful too, I think. But I agree with you that adding value and I love that it just comes from somewhat of an earnest place of service, like recognizing that. Yeah. You just want to serve people. And then, you know, you just made me think of something too in terms of your upbringing, like because it was probably difficult and you had to to get through some stuff, do you feel in some, and I kind of feel like this now that I'm talking to you and thinking about our friendship and it, it's almost like in some ways your career there or the fact that you're there, you're you're grateful and there's, there's this intersection of like, I don't want to lose my job, not so much anymore, right? But in the beginning, like how I'm here, when like previously historically looking at my like family who how how am i here and then it's like oh i'm i'm going to hold on to this and i'm going to kind of fight to keep it yeah you know i think um first of all let me just say too i had a great childhood right yeah. i just it had its challenges yeah. which yeah. i think I'd like to meet the person who didn't have any challenges as a child, right? <laughs> but I would say, for me, I think it started out, like, I think I was new to the business world in 1987. So when the stock market crashed, I remember being, like, scary. Like, I didn't, honestly, I'd love to say I understood it all. I didn't. It was just like, oh, this seems scary. But I think for me, I think it pivoted from worrying about losing it. When I quit focusing on that and really going back to where I started this conversation and saying, how do I maximize what is ahead of me and in this moment? So... You know, I, I think both inside and outside professional life, life in general, how do you take the opportunity you have? So for me, I found so many opportunities and where I was sitting that it wasn't so much I want to grasp onto it, and not lose it. It was almost like, again, I go with the fundamental philosophy for me. If I like what I'm doing and who I'm doing it with, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is success for me. That is success. I've always said that's success for me. And what I did was, man, I have absolutely love the journey and I've pivoted and I've moved in different cities and I've had different opportunities. So it's not like I've done the same thing for all these years, right. but so it, it really moved somewhere from, wow, contributing, experiencing, and that, and to your point about the continuous learning, mm-hmm. like I, I continuously learn every day and that fuels me. You know, I had coffee this morning with a, a student at school happens to be a child of somebody It's a friend of mine and we just had coffee this morning and she wanted some advice as a junior in college and we had coffee and and I asked her some questions to your point. I went in curious. Yeah. Me 30 years ago, not so curious. I don't even know if I knew how to ask questions. Right. Right. Like, I I don't know. I was just so busy trying to tell you what I know. So you think I'm smart. Yes. Yes. 30 years ago. Now I do. I, I listen more. I probe. I ask. And I started finding myself. She was asking for my advice and, and it was a great a great cup of coffee, but I found myself asking her and I walked away going, 
learn some things, you know, know. about, yeah. and, and I, I don't think there's many interactions where I don't learn something um, every day, all day. And I mean, that's, you know, to be humble, to know, you don't know everything. Yeah. It's not about you. It's not about you. And you're just trying to continue to evolve to me keeps it interesting to be, to be very candid. Were you, so you started out in accounting. So certainly as someone in a financial role and then the stock market, like I can see why that's very upsetting. <laughs> and like, I had loans, I had student loans. I was a little scared. I was, a little, I was scared. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what to think. Yeah. But the world, the news was intimidating. Yes. Uh, were you a good student? Were you someone that like academics came very easy to you, you know, in terms of like that path to getting that? Because that's a, I mean, and certainly in the 80s, I mean, now is the case also, but I would say even maybe like in the 80s, there there was super competitive to get into a, like an accounting firm, right? So tell me just about like, were you a good student? Was that an easy path? Something you knew you wanted to do? You're like, for people that are just listening, she's smiling and I'm sort smiling, of like, yeah. I Teresa's new book, Soft Skills I Learned the Hard Way, is out and available on Amazon. She writes about many epic fails throughout her career and how she learned from them so you don't have to. This book is full of cheat codes for how you can differentiate yourself when it matters, like in interviews, trying to get that promotion, or being a first-time leader. As always, thank you, Relatable Community. We are so grateful for your support and continued listenership. As of today, we are 15 countries strong. Now back to the show. couple things. High school, I felt came easy to me. I liked my teachers. I listened. I'd love to say I worked hard at the books at night. I didn't, but I got decent grades and I think I did probably the bare minimum to get great grades in high school. Then I go to college my freshman year and I tried to use the same formula and I got terrible grades my freshman year. And I realized, hmm, and I was paying, paying for my school and I thought this isn't going to work. And I uh, started the year as an accounting and a business double major and a professor, I went to a small school and a professor wrote me a note and sadly he passed away this last six months. He was a professor not until long ago. And he wrote me a note, sent it to my home and said, I'm going to paraphrase the note, but it went something like you're the most talented loser I've ever taught. And if you're going to come back to school and you're not going to try you're wasting your time, your dollars, my time. Wow. And I think you're capable of a lot more. And it was a, it was what said way better than that, but that's what, you know, 19 wow. year old Laura read. And I was, I was, I'd never failed at anything. My grades would support his letter. I was trying to get by without studying really hard. And I mean, I did study in high school, but college required different, different muscles and different studying habits and all of that. So I thought, oh, no, we're not going to do this. And I went back and I retook some of the courses. I graduated in four years, took a ton of credits the last three years, sat in the front row of all of his classes and stayed in touch with him until um, just a couple of years ago and uh, wrote him a note. I want to say maybe eight or nine years ago, thanking him for the impact. I, I had a chance to tell him publicly. Yeah. And I spoke to his classes and stuff and stayed in touch, but he made a huge impact on my life. So what I realized was either I'm in or I'm not. And I decided I was going to apply myself. So after that, I went all in and in college, I got, had good grades. And, and then when I, I didn't know what I wanted to do as a profession, I was heading down a path with the company outside professional services firms and make a long story short. Um, I kind of stumbled into this 
And I'd love to say it was all intentional, but I really liked the experience in the interview and all that. And I would be lying if I said, I totally knew what I was about to do. I didn't. Yeah. My parents had no idea. My parents didn't have a background. I had no uh, real mentors outside of just school. And I, I was just sort of stumbling through it, mm -hmm. but I followed my instincts and paid attention and went where the opportunities and my instincts took me and boy, did I get lucky. So that's sort of my path. And, and I will tell you accounting. I always loved the business. I still do. I love accounting. I still love accounting. I love business. I still love a business. I love all of it. So that part was easy as far as what I liked, mm -hmm. what I wanted to do as a profession it helps me now coaching counsel students or nieces and nephews yeah. or people that I know because don't do it the way I did it, right? I got yeah. lucky, but there's a much harder way to do this. Boy, am I, uh, I still think you follow instincts. I don't discount instincts. Boy, that professor really changed my life. That and I like the honesty about having to be all in and what that means, you know, like to go and try to go through the motions and do, you know, that saying of like, what got you here won't get you there. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, exactly. you know, it's, it's exactly. like, and you have it, that's a little bit of an ego check. And then it's also like, I think there's a lot of us, you know, people talk about millennials or talk about Z or whatever, but I think a lot of us don't necessarily understand the, what it takes <laughs> when you talk about the intention and you talk about being all in and what is that? That is an effort. That is a sacrifice to certain things saying no to, so, you know, there's a lot that goes into just the, that s statement of like, I'm all in. And now I've sort of, you, you said you reach up classes, like that's not easy. Then you finish in four years. That's not easy. Like the drive that you had to kick into, I think is like a conscious intentional. Okay. And for you, you know, I don't, I don't know. Could you say like, what was it that said that made you flip that switch versus someone else in that same scenario would have been like, I'm out. Well, I think a couple things. One, I had no safety net. So I knew whatever I left with, that was it. I had to self-support. I needed to, you know, yeah. be an independent. Um, I'm the oldest of four. I was first one out of the gate. And I knew that I needed to I, count on myself, number one. Now, number two, I think it was the first time I experienced the zoom out. What am I trying to accomplish? Like, why am I here? Yeah, Life just sort of happens up until college. You just... You go to this, you go to that, you do this. And then it was like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, what? And, and number three is I had seniors that I was friends with in college and I was a freshman that honestly, they were going through interviews and I saw what they were going through. They were all really good students. I had a really good friend of mine. I gave her credit. I've talked, I've thanked her in my life. She was um, solitarian at our school. She was, I think she got one B plus. Um, she went on to, to be, and she role modeled for me. And I remember her saying to me, what are you doing? Like, she just called me out and I was embarrassed because um, we had the same class, same test. And I didn't know anything going into the yeah. test. I was like, what? And she shamed me a little bit. And um, I thank her. She's still a close friend. Matter of fact, I was with her New Year's Eve. Um, still a close friend. And I still thank her to this day for the impact she had on me. But I think that's when I zoomed out and said, hey, what am I here for? Mm -hmm. And what do I need to accomplish? So at the end, I achieve my goals. I'd never even thought like that on a macro level. Yeah. I knew in the game, our goal was to beat the other team, or I knew in the test, I wanted to get an A, but I'd never really step back and say, nobody's, nobody cares about my life more than me. Nobody's going to care about my career more than me. Nobody cares about my college education more than me. My parents unconditionally supported me, regardless of how my, yeah. my grades were. They were just do your best. That's all, you know, and I realized, you know, I better 
I better be again intentional about this. So it was a hard lesson, but it was really so. Then I think those lessons learned carried on. Yeah, to me, sure. life out after school. Let's talk about your current role. I mean, there's obviously a lot in between there, but I I, I think it's interesting. So you started out in accounting, and now you're the you're managing director in a talent function and on operations, and you know that that to your point around the pivots and the different. Uh, moves you make, I, I guess for now, just because part of why I like to have these conversations is for people to hear about different types of careers and, you know, how you navigate that and, and what they are. So can you tell us a little bit about like what a day in the life is like for you or what you're responsible for just so that, you know, people yeah. have a sense of that? Yeah. I mean, I would say at the end of the day, being a, an advisor to make sure that the talent uh, shows up and supports the objectives of the businesses and driving strategy and execution and and bringing the team along so we are together and delivering on strategic priorities and executing and meeting the needs of the business not only now but in the future and really doing a lot so a day in the life i'm in meetings that are micro right we're trying to solve for a problem that has different tensions all the way to macro. What are some of the ambitions we need to, to, to be thoughtful about and everything in between. One of the things I'm really lucky about is I'm never bored. I mean, my meetings, my, you know, I, I, um, I travel lightly. I do. Uh, I, sometimes I'm in the room with people. Sometimes I'm on zoom with people yeah. and all that kind of stuff. What I'd say is my day is all over the board and that's what I love. I think I have, I think I have a little thread of ADHD in me. So it it, keep, it fuels me. Like I'm, yeah. you know, one meeting could be this and a big, a big forum solving for things in 2020, whatever, you know, name a favorite year out there all the way to something that is causing issues this week that we need to solve for and get the right people on, on task to do that or create experiences for people or create outcomes for business. So What's really unique about my role, and I love it, is it is all over the board. Yeah. Um, and in many ways, that has been that way for a while, just at different levels right. of the organization. So sounds very like, no, not very prescriptive, but the truth yeah. is that is what my life is like. Well, and you're being modest. I mean, you, you have responsibility for a huge function and for a lot of what happens at the organization and when for people that don't know, when we say talent, we mean HR effectively. I mean, there's obviously an operations component. And um, mm. I mean, what what is the size of the organization now, I guess? I mean, it's probably in terms of how many employees do you all have? Oh, employees, I think yeah. 160,000 plus right. growing. I think, you know, I don't know the exact headcount right now, but And that growing. includes the India operations, which now I are probably like 20,000 people. I mean, you know, it's like- It's big, thousands, thousands, yeah, yeah. tens of thousands, exactly. Um, I mean, growing and large and fun to, it's fun to watch and be a part of that because I've been on the journey my whole career. So it's pretty amazing to watch. Yeah, yes. and I think, you know, would you say, this is going to be hard for you to answer because I know you, but I think in terms of the role that you're in now, do you feel like it best suits all of your strengths and- like, I don't want to be like, is this the best job of them all? Like, But at the same time, just I feel like the role that you're in now does suit your strengths. It suits some of the uh, aspirations you had in terms of the function and being able to have that kind of role. So how do you feel about that in terms of kind of 
where you are in your career and in the role that you're in. Is it like, you know, when you talk about like that personal fulfillment and you talk about like, you know, actualization, like my, you, Paul and I always 2.0, we always talk about like being self-actualized and like when you're self-actualized in a role and how great, great that feels. So I think that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Yeah. I think it feeds my, I think the role I'm in now, and I've had other roles at different experiences that do this too. I think this role really works. It fuels my fulfillment and my joy is it is because it calls upon massive integration, mm-hmm. which I love, like integrating, pulling together different parts. Yeah. And like when I say I'm a part of a team, my team that I'm a part of is different every day. Right. I, I'm part of probably 600 teams, depending on what we're trying to solve. Yeah. And it fuels my need to be a pioneer and think outside the box on how we can do things differently. And that feels two pieces of me. And then you, you, you underlying all of that is foundationally, I love relationships. So I have to have relationships to be able to help other people, our objective and all that. And knowing, again, I, I keep saying this, but I really mean it, knowing that I just need to be surrounded with people that are way smarter than me. Yeah. So I have access to amazing people all yeah. the time. And yeah. that... I mean, come on, it's like the best. I mean, it's unbelievable who I get to interact with and learn from every day. So that feeds my need. Me working alone, reading and writing in the corner by myself, is pretty much of a disaster, right? <laughs> Me being in the center yeah. and integrating and being at being a catalyst to different integrations yeah. of solutions. I mean, that feeds my need of my human desire yeah. to be in traffic. I love being in traffic. Being outside of traffic, not so much. I don't, I don't do well there. Yeah. It's funny because I think you're one of the earlier Laura-isms that I have continued to say in my life is the shower test of getting up and when you're in the shower, are you like, yeah, let's get it. Let's go after it. Or are I you- want to get out of the shower and get to work. Yes. Yes. Versus snoozing nine times. <laughs> and like, that's such a simple yet effective way to have someone reflect on where they are. I mean, it's it's just, it's a pro, it really, it's quite profound when you think about it. And yet it's such a simple way to say, do you like what you're doing? And if not, like what what's going on there? And like, how can you change that? You know? So I think- and, and, Yeah, and what I'm also, I'm sorry. What I also know is you don't have to change your role to like what you're doing better. Yes. Sometimes it's changing the lens to which you're looking at what you're doing. And I've learned that over the years. But it's funny because it's an issue for me because I keep getting up earlier and earlier because I actually am excited to go to work. So it's to the point where I literally will be there and I'll think, Lord, this is an absurd time to get up. Like, this is absurd. Like, keep sleeping. And the problem with that is you start going to bed earlier and earlier and start to become, I mean, you could be in bed at 830, you know, like, I don't want to be in bed yet, right? But to your point, you know, that that is a little bit of it. Like, the shower test is on steroids for me right now. Like, I, I literally can't wait to yeah. get up and That's get so after awesome. it. I feel like we can't escape this conversation without sharing our best practical joke I ever played on a coworker. And frankly, I'm not really a practical joke person, but because you're not even funny and you're not even funny. I'm really not funny. Uh, But when I, (laughs) when I think of this thing, I'm so proud of it and it makes me so happy. This, this exchange that we had. So I'm wondering, should, should you tell it from your perspective or should I tell it from my perspective? Because you know what I'm talking about. And it was, I know exactly. It's one of the best days in my career. I'll tell it from my perspective because I don't even want to hear your version because you're just going to. Bottom line is we had an intense conversation to have 
founded on extraordinarily skills and research and all that kind of stuff. And I was basically going to ride sidecar to <laughs> Teresa in this meeting. And she calls me and says, I'm not coming in. Can you take this? And I was like panicked because one, I was not prepared. Two, I don't have the, I did not have the skills that Teresa had. And three, it wasn't going to be a comfortable situation. And I admittingly might've panicked a little bit on the call and here my friend or my ex-friend Teresa was in the office, calling me from the corner of the office, watching my reaction visually and laughing hysterically because she was joking. Uh, and then she goes, I'm just kidding you. And I thought my heart went through. And then I, I swear to you, I learned from that. Not only did I learn that I didn't like you, but then I also learned that I'm never going to not be prepared again because I had to have a plan B. Oh my because God. That was, we were minutes away from starting. We were minutes away. I know. And it was, it was so person, mean. I couldn't even, you know, I remember thinking, but that was, I'm telling my version because I don't even want to hear your version. I just, the only thing I'm going to add that made it so fun is that uh, I was there like way early. I mean, it was a big thing for me too, right? In terms of my, you know, it's, so when I called her and I was like peeking around the corner watching her, she's like, what are you saying? I was like, I just, I'm just, I just can't do it. I just, and I was giving, I was not even like apologetic. I was like, I just am not, I can't come in. Like, it wasn't even like I was giving you. I think you gave me a reason. You just said you weren't coming in. Now that I think about it, you just said I'm not coming in. Like, what do you mean you're not coming in? You're like, you just kept saying that. It was almost like someone stuck in like, <laughs> what do you mean you're not? What, do you, what are you saying? It was like, it couldn't, you could tell it couldn't even compute. Well, you're a good sport. Yeah. Well, it was, it, yes, <laughs> yes. And I love it. And I will tell you the other thing I do and people that have, have known me, by the way, this goes back to when I was in junior high and high school because my mother used to yell at me because I grew up when you had a long cord on the phone. Yes. So my family had the longest cord with four girls. So we had the longest cord known to man at the time because we could take the cord we could take the phone up to the second floor in a cord. That's how long my parents' cord was. So oh my girls, gosh. So it was it was hilarious. So anyway, it started when I was young. To this day, I still do it. I keep it's hard for me to talk on the phone. Even Zoom is the only thing that anchors me without pacing. So I can guarantee you when that was going down, you are. I was pacing back and forth. Cause I, you, oh, people would walk me and watch me in, at home in my office. My home office has windows. People watch me, I pace all day. I, I literally pace all day. It's so funny. That is anyway, hilarious. And you were pacing. I'm sure I was pacing while You were pacing. And I did feel, and that, because I am not really that, I did feel horrible while I was doing it, but God, it just, it just was so, it was a joy. So thank you for that moment. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's, we've gotten a lot of, it's paid itself forward many times. We've laughed many times. I know we have. So I'm going to ask you, I mean, you talked so, I loved your story about the professor that had such an impact. You know, I feel like when you and I were chatting and I mean, there's so many things that I feel like I could talk to you about and that I, you know, know about your story, but I think maybe a, a way to get there in terms of kind of what, what was been pivotal for you. What, one of the things that I like to ask people is in terms of just your journey to this point and maybe significant moments, right? Or something that significantly shaped or changed you, right? And the impact it's had. I've, you know, I know you well, and I've like, God, you could pick from like six things, but I, I guess I'm curious from your perspective, and maybe it's two things, like we don't have to keep it to one, but I think when I, when I ask the question, it's really about, 
I think kind of shape-shifting, right? Like something that's happened and you're like, oh, I'm different or mm-hmm. I've had some sort mm-hmm. of transformation because of that experience. Mm-hmm. And and how you handled it because it's not always, those moments aren't always yeah. easy. You know, I I think for me, the struggle, the struggle and shape shaping of my life came from, you know, I was in the closet um, a large part of my life as a, as a gay woman and growing up and I would say, both personally and professionally, nobody ever created an environment that said I couldn't be out, but societal pressures or internal pressures or my own level of just being uncomfortable with it or expectations of myself really caused me to struggle and be in the closet. Probably they looks, I've been in the closet more than I haven't. So, you know, I probably publicly came out in 2007 openly or 2007, 2008, openly to everybody in my life, uh, slowly, quietly in my thirties mm-hmm. to some people in my life. And then in my forties out to everybody. So, so I spent a lot of time from uh, college on going through that. We are busy scheduling relatable interviews for 2023 and we love our relatable community. If you or someone you know would be a good guest for Relatable, let us know. You can send an email to info at tfasoftskills.com. Include the potential guest name and contact information. Please send all suggestions to info at tfasoftskills.com. And the reason I mention that is, you know, DEI is very, very important to me. Everything in, in diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, I live it and breathe it, you know both um, as a woman and as a gay woman, you know, just in what I've been a benefactor to watch in society in my career, I always say, as a matter of fact, I was with some, again, my friends New Year's Eve, and I said, I am very thankful for when I was born in this world uh, because I have been able to ride a wave of change that has fueled my life experiences. Um, How it shaped me was, you know, I'm a woman of, I believe, right, you know, I'll leave the, the conclusion to others. I'm a woman of integrity. So to not be out was an internal struggle that was exhausting. Never lied, just never disclosed. So I thought my life didn't matter. I felt as a devalued person, I never spoke about my life, which is hard for, because you've known me as an out person. So you never knew me before, but I didn't think my life mattered. I didn't, I watched my words. Mm-hmm. I never talked about me. I don't know what people thought, but I would basically never make it about me and never live my life in a way. So what does that mean now? What that mean? And when I came out, it was much to do about nothing, both personally and professionally, which is exactly what you want. It was fantastic. My regret is I didn't do it earlier. The good news is, is that I don't take anything for granted. You know, I said I would never marry. I would never have a kid. I would never move to my hometown. I would never own an old house because I grew up in a house that was built, I think, in the 1800s and nothing ever worked. And I would never, 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 never. I, you know, I married, I have a kid. I moved back to my hometown and I live in a house that is very old. And so everything I thought I would never do, I did. And I love every minute. And I live a life that I could only dream of. We went around the Thanksgiving table at my sister's and said, what, what's one thing you're thankful for? And I said, thankful for living a life I could only dream of. I mean, this is unbelievable. But what happens is, and I think I was in, I think I counted, I was in, for all these years, I was in something like 15 to 17 weddings or something. I forget. And wow, I was a single, right? And I went to all these weddings and I was a bridesmaid or a maid of honor at so many weddings. 
And some of those are family weddings, some of those are friends, et cetera. And I watched that experience and I thought, oh, that looks amazing. And I remember thinking, I, like, I didn't even, I wouldn't say I was jealous. I just assumed like, that's just not in my formula. So when I sit here as a happily married woman with a family and an extended family that again, I could only dream of, I just am, it's life-shaping because I would say gratitude is in every day. Yeah. Like yeah. even the things that come with family, they're exhausting. Yeah. There's a thread of gratitude to me. Yeah. So that probably spills over to my professional life, but it is like my life. Like there's just life. Like I don't person, sure. it's all just sure. life. Yeah. So I think that's basically the gift to the day I die. I'll just like, how, how lucky am I? What do you, right? what do you think the impact is, or can you articulate when you can't be that person, right? Because there's a lot of people I'm sure still that feel like they can't articulate yeah. it and they can't, they yeah. just don't have the there's the environment, the, everything you mentioned that was, that was like preventing you from doing that. And I'm just curious as someone that like you're so close to, it'd be helpful to understand like what, what is the impact of, and, and not everybody, everybody has to do it in their own time. I'm not trying to force something here unnaturally for people that are maybe struggling with this, but I, I am curious, what is the impact if you don't, or what the old you well, versus I, the new you, yeah. right? Yeah, I would, I would say there is no doubt that as much as I was trying to live my authentic life yeah. and accomplish my life goals, and I, I'm, not, again, I'm not talking about professional, I'm just talking about life goals. I thrived after I came out of the closet. My authenticity fueled my life, my entire life. I didn't realize how it was holding me mm -hmm. down mm -hmm. in my quest to never lie, my quest to be authentic, but I wasn't, I wasn't lying, but I wasn't being authentic. And I don't even know that I used the word authentic till I came. I don't know if I right. knew what authentic, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't even think I ever used that word right. until years later right. when I look back. And yeah. There is no doubt that I didn't, in my fear in trying to tamp down things that I was afraid of, I did not thrive in life until after I came out of the closet. And I, I mean, I could literally show proof points mm -hmm. that it, it's true, both personally and professionally, that I just realized in not thinking I was worthy or not having confidence. I think I wasn't confident. I think yeah. I was trying not to fail yeah. versus succeeding. Oh, I think that's so the good. difference. Because when I stopped worrying about failing, because I don't worry about failing anymore. I will fail. I fail all the time make mistakes every day we don't need to focus on that here but i make mistakes every day let's take let's right? take and, a minute no let's not let's not <laughs> but just trust me when i tell you i've got proof to that i make mistakes every day when i stopped worrying about making mistakes i was more valuable to all of the facets of my life because yeah. i got my swagger on i got confidence and i started living versus working worrying about not failing and i think that was an undercurrent that i didn't even know to claim I love it because I feel like it transcends coming out, frankly. It's such a clickable, I don't know if philosophy is the right word, but I think there's so many of us that can think of areas of our life where we're holding back, where we're afraid to let go or afraid to be the thing that we want to be. And that's what it goes back to the beginning, our conversation of like the closer you are to that, depending on your belief system, but like who you're kind of meant to be, things happen, things, you know, it's, it's just, yeah. again, easier for us to say when, when we're 
25 years into it and have some success. I mean, I, it, you know, that's, but at the same time, you, you can, like you said, you can point to the moment and you can see those uh-huh. proof points. And so I think that for anybody listening to that, it's like, it is, it's a release, it's liberating. You, you can thrive. It's interesting. I, I have a client that I've been coaching and she has some job opportunities in front of her and she's trying to evaluate them and the, and the perspective and the mind frame of like, what do I want in if I were to take these certain things, how do I see myself and what do I want and what what would I need in order to be successful versus they're picking me to do a thing. And I'm, right, it's just, it's this mind shift of you have value, you have the skills or you wouldn't be considered, you know, it's just, and it's this slight kind of change of like owning who you are instead of waiting to be tapped, waiting to be told, waiting for someone to like form something for you. And that's like maybe that pioneer in you. And like, I think I have a little of that in me too. So it's like, maybe it's a little, if you're more geared that way, it's maybe a little bit easier, but it's like, what could be, what is, you know, how could it be versus like what it is and like boxing yourself into a corner. So yeah, Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think when you also figure out, like I have, again, don't want to focus on this here, but I have flaws that go a mile long. I have so many flaws. It's, and I, but I will continue working on myself till I leave this earth, right? Like I will work on myself forever. But when you realize that other people have flaws and it gives you permission to not be perfect, I think there was a little bit of being so hard on myself that I thought I was the only, I mean, this sounds so stupid now, but if I'm honest, which I will always be honest with you, is that I thought I was the only person in the world who had flaws 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like when high school even, I thought I was, you know, it could go back to whatever flaws I thought I had, whether it be, a, you know, I, I was the ugliest person in the world or I was the dumbest person in the world. But that, but there was some of that insecurity. And I remember when I, again, I had years of therapy to help me and I, not my whole life I've been in therapy, but I've had enough therapy or I continue to work on myself or I pay attention and realize I have these aha moments because life just brings those things to you. They realize, oh no, I'm just like everybody now, else. And there's something about that that you realize, yes. oh, wait a minute, I'm insecure. Oh, you're insecure too? Wait a minute, we're all insecure. Like, do you know what I mean? There's totally. a little bit of that awakening along the way. And that, you know, one of the things that helped me in that front really helped me is, is this gonna matter? I start with five years and I work my way back. So is it, nobody's gonna think of this in five years. You know, nobody's gonna think about this in three years. Nobody's gonna think, nobody's gonna be thinking about this in two months. Like it really helps you to get past your, the flaws and the rejection and, and things that don't go the way that you want. You can plow through them because it's just like, there's always gonna be another opportunity to feel like this, you know? So you just- Well, and, and sometimes I find too, even, you know, as you said, I even find that when you get up the next day, everything's better. I know, it's, yeah. Right, like even even overnight, something that will literally, you know, I could have had an interaction with, you know, I'm, I'm making this up, yeah. but a sibling, but I'm thinking, I don't know if that was that great. And then I'll be a little stressed about it. And then the next morning I'm thinking, oh no. And then I'll take action or do something. But my clarity just in sleeping overnight and this, watching the next day begin, you're like, wow, I'm so much, I have my perspective is so much better yeah. even after one night's sleep. All right, man, I could talk to you forever. I, I Let's, um, move a little bit towards my soft skills passion. I'm curious what your responses to this in terms of 
there's lots of ways we could ask you it and you could answer it. I, I think the way I'm going to ask you it is with respect to what you observe. You lead big teams, you lead leaders, you have leaders that are leading big teams. And so in the construct of that, of leadership, I'll say within the constructs of leadership, what soft skills do you think are most critical to their success? And and I'll just give you like a cheat sheet when I when I talk about soft skills, I'm talking about like the influence and the communication or, you know, there's a whole list of them. They're not all named like, yeah. you know, but I'm, I, because I think you have an interesting vantage point of, of what you, you know, it, it, from your career longevity, but also what you're doing now. And so for people that are, you know, leaders of at any age, right. You talk about captains of sports. Like I, I hope sometimes we get some young adults that listen to this as well. So what do you see as, as, you know, one or two that you think are, are really critical for that success? I think it's a great question. I would, I would probably anchor on two. I would start with adaptability. I think adaptability is huge. I, I think the, one of the things I've learned in my career and in life is to be open to change in, in, in situations. And I've learned, I, you know, I used to be a person that was scared to call the hair salon to make my hair appointment. When I was in high school, I just, I would like, mom, please call me. My and she was like, Laura, I'm not calling you. To the point where then I work on situations and teams and things where you just show up and you may not have all the answers, but you need to read the situation and pull on the toolkit you have and, and do that. So, and underneath that adaptability are things like being positive to change, seeking, meeting people where they are, understanding the situation and tapping into your emotional intelligence, like all the skills that like you click down in adaptability, but I would wrap it in adaptability yeah. because I see people who fear change in life. And I think I count, I've moved 17 times in life. Um, oh I've, my gosh. Isn't that funny? I know. That's I moved insane. seven, literally moved my house 17 times. Back when I was a kid, I lived in four or five States. I think I went to, I forget how many elementary schools and stuff. And I wow. think, like when you do that, like you just, it's a skill you gain, but I am not afraid of the unknown or change. And that now walking into a situation where I actually don't even know exactly what I'm walking into, whether it be social or otherwise, I feel like you can, I get to thrive in the moment versus fear it. So I think a lot of people, I need to know themselves as a change agent and, and are they adaptable and build those skills? What is it that yeah. makes you less adaptable? Because I think you're more valuable the more adaptable you are. That's my, that's my experience. The other one I would say is empathy. I assume positive intent. I, you know, I had a leader teach that to me in my, my first year at the firm and I am empathetic. I don't, I really do seek to understand the good in everybody in my world mm -hmm. uh, period. And as a result, it makes the interactions and the relationships way more uh, positive. I don't, you know, so I think, you know, empathy and understanding where people are, what they're trying to do, how can I help them, I think is a, is a gift that I'm glad I have. And I think I got that from other people in my life. But those are the two I'd probably say, you know, I could go on and on. There's like 30 that I think are important. But those are the two that I think are a little bit of a superpower that help you in life. I mean, a lot and, of what you're talking you show about. show up in moments that matter. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, a lot of what you're talking about, it's this it's both, right? It's, it helps you in your life and then it helps you in your career. And that, when you said it's, it is your whole life, you know, for those of us that 
are in this space where it's, I don't know, I, I don't know if it's how we've evolved over time or it's how you and I are in our lives, but it is very integrated. And that's the truth. <laughs> so it's like, so how do you, you know, those habits or those ways that you want to be in life or the way you approach things. And then again, it helps with that on, you know, then it's not like you're not different at work than you are at home no. versus, you know, it's no. just like you, yeah. And I would say, you know, just because I have the moment to publicly thank you, I think you are, you know, your power, your your ability to be empathetic, I think, in terms of driving performance out of other people. And I, and so people think of empathy as like, oh, you know, it's, you know, you're nice and you can be kind to other people. And it's, it's really a lot more than that. And the way that I think you use it to your point of like kind of upskilling there, it's like, I remember you and I having conversations and you saying, you know, what's the one thing you're going to do? And it would be like for a quarter, right? You know, because each year you do the formal thing of here's three things, here's three things. We've gotten better at that over time. But I remember like when you give a person one, th well, at least for me, I don't know if you adapted that to me or if you do that across the board, but for no, me. I, I'm a big on what's one thing I need to know about yeah. myself. What's one, like get to it. Yeah. And it's really cuts through the, you know, minutia and the, you know, and then it, and it helps. I think we do better when there's less noise it's like oh i can do one thing <laughs> like what and then have that you know it's funny for this year we do vision boards in the family i think i've told you this before and i just did them with everybody much to their <laughs> happiness it's it's always a it's a bit of a thing to get everybody. It. Oh, they, it. yeah uh, i'll send you some pictures later of them because they're they're great but um but for me i was like what is the one thing like i'm not i've always had 15 things on this vision board right so it's like personally like i'm really just the one thing is sort of from a diet perspective not go on a diet but like just very food focused because the exercising mm -hmm. i sort of you know it's like and i'm just going to pick that one thing and what that mm -hmm. means throughout the year could be different but it helped mm -hmm. it really helped and i thought of you when i was doing my vision board what's the one thing See, look, you're in my life, Thank in you. my head all the time, which is really frightening. And also I'm sad to admit here, <laughs> uh, but no, I do. I want to tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. All right. And then just to kind of wrap things up, uh, in terms of your, um, which you kind of have alluded to throughout the conversation, but when you think about young Laura, so mm -hmm. let's take that Laura that was, I would even say post your shift, right? So you had your shift of like, I'm going to get after it and I'm not going to, you know, necessarily be the lazy gal. Um, yes. I'm going to get after it. So from like that point on, but still pretty young, what advice would you give her to make the path a little bit easier? That would maybe lighten the load a little bit that like, if you think about the lessons learned and kind of anguish, right? Over the years, if you were like to tap her on the shoulder and say, listen, Laura, what, what advice would you give her? That's a great question. Isn't that funny? I think I would know, know the answer to that. I would say two things. I would say one is, you know, I remember people saying this to me, like my grandmother, who I was very close with, used to say, life goes fast, enjoy it. And I would say, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Let me start with that. So enjoy the moment. Like everyone used to say, this is the best time of your life. And then they'd say the next phase, this is the best time of your life. And this, And the truth is, they all have been the best time of my life. Um, and is to really really appreciate the day that you have because it goes fast. And I remember people saying, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But more importantly, I think what I would say is you are better than you think you are. And the only thing limiting you is you and that you're worthy yeah. just like everybody else. That's what I would say. 
That's what I'd say. Yeah. I, I think that would be it. I think, and I think that goes with everybody. Um, so, yeah. That we limit the greatest limiter for us is us. And it, you know, we see it and I could see it on a billboard and it'd be like, blah, blah, blah. But honest to goodness, it's the truth. Yeah. It's it. And it is like that just idea, you know, I would challenge people to think like, just think about your thoughts for a day and how hard, hard are you on yourself and how harsh are you? You know, it's like, you know, that whole idea is something I'm always working on. It's like, how do you change that internal dialogue? Because that's what's limiting you. That's what's preventing you, you know, instead of the harsh critic, like, how about the cheerleader? How about this? What would you say to a friend? You know, would you ever talk? Like, I was talking to my sister. I said something off the cuff and she was like, how dare you say that to yourself? Like, she just caught me in it and was like, that is, you you are way too old to be talking to yourself like that. And I was like, <laughs> but that's but true. I mean, it, it is amazing how, it's, and, and a lot of times what you worry about yeah. changes based on situations. So how do you change it without it being invoked by a horrific life experience, right? So yeah. look at the pandemic and how we all look, I'll speak for myself. I looked at things very differently in the pandemic. Like what I valued, you know, all of a sudden the time I wanted with people I couldn't have, like all that stuff. Like how do I live that intentional life that I want to without having to have a moment. And look, we're human. We do the best we can. Um, I'm a cancer survivor and having being diagnosed out of nowhere with breast cancer. I mean, the life gifts I got out of that, you know, going through that experience and how, again, another thing I draw on and just love today, but how do I keep that and do that without having those moments that have to make me create that. Does that, does that yes. make sense? So yeah. there's a little bit of that, right? That, you know, I just, I, every once in a while, I have to like hit myself on the head and go, don't talk to myself that way. Because what I worried about the day before I was diagnosed versus what I was worried about after that, those are very different days. Yeah. And that was a wake up call. And I feel like you're just an extraordinary example of like positivity and action in terms of you know, you've only talked about a handful of things here, but significant life events that can set a person back, you know, can can really shift how you approach things. And you're, and I mean, anyone listening to this conversation can like without question hear your enthusiasm, hear your positivity. That's something I've always appreciated about you. And so I think that that idea of like, Figuring out the recipe to bring that out in yourself because it's different for every every person. And some of us, you know, I think you and I have had this conversation. Like, I do think some of us wake up with a half full glass, just how we came into the world. And I'm so grateful for that. It's not something I necessarily try to be. Maybe during certain periods, you have to like buckle mm-hmm. up a bit. And so I don't want to just throw it out there like casually because it's not always easy to just be positive. I just think that how you frame things, how you go through things, how you like that opportunity of what's ahead of you, taking that grit, that gratitude. It's all, it all plays a part in sort of all of it kind of working in that fulfillment, I think for sure. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, you know, we, we are so busy sometimes taking care of others yeah. in our life to just give yourself some grace. Yeah. You know, I mean, give yourself some grace. Again, we get reminded of that as time, you know, is to, is to do that. So, you know, it's okay to have a bad day or be pessimistic or challenged or give yourself some yeah. grace. Like just be real with yourself. And I think that that 
fuels the ups and 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 take care of yourself on the downs and and I think that that's another thing that I continue to work on to be honest because if I you know I'd love to say it's all roses right but when I do something and I think I can just beat myself up for hours over something that I did that I wish I would have handled differently and then I go get over it and then you you cover then a day five years I mean whether it be overnight or two years like life moves on because if I could catalog all my mistakes That'd be a podcast for the days, let me tell you. <laughs> that's that's next time. I am so, like I said, you're just the best, and I love you so much, and I appreciate oh, you, you, and I'm so grateful for you in my life and for everything that you've taught me and continue to teach me, and I'm so grateful for our friendship. So thank you. All right back to you, Teresa. Thank you so much. And it's, I mean, I know this is a podcast, but I truly just enjoy the time with you. So this is yeah, awesome. So thank fun. you. Thank you, Laura, for joining me today to share your story. I loved hearing all your awesome advice, especially around the importance of authenticity. I enjoyed talking about the ups and downs of figuring out your career and the outlook you have around not changing your role to love your job, but changing the lens you're looking through. Thank you to Missy for producing this episode and to Hannah for your support. A huge thank you to our Relatable community for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment and subscribe either on YouTube or your favorite streaming platform. Relatable is sponsored by TFA Soft Skills, and you can find more information about Relatable and our sponsor by visiting www.tfasoftskills.com. Until next time, this is Teresa Freeman with Relatable. Stay connected.